0: Let's talk about reinvention. You know, One of the great things the American experience has always brought with it is the ideal that anyone can be anything they want. It's okay to try, fail, and move on, reinventing yourself along the way. The only limitations are the creativity and stamina of the protagonist in your story. I know. It's a hopelessly romantic view that we may aspire but rarely live up to. But the fact of the matter is most Americans go to school and study something that they ultimately don't do for a career. And albeit expensive, that's okay. I mean, how many people really know what they want to be when they're 17 and starting to look at their future seriously for the first time? Many of us will change direction at least once in a career. I started out as an actor and ultimately became a technologist. My guest today started out as a lawyer and ultimately became a hospitality entrepreneur. The, the fact that we've built a society that celebrates ambition enough to tolerate failure is why we're like no other place in the world. A place where you can turn your favorite relief valve from a hobby to a future. Bob Roshan is a recovering lawyer who opened his first coffee bar 10 years ago in Los Angeles's Little Tokyo neighborhood. While that store is closed in the pandemic, his Demitasse Cafe continues on 3rd Street in Santa Monica, where he uses unique brewing methods to make fine drinks from his own coffee roastery. In addition to Demitasse, Bobby now has a cafe and a dessert mocktail bar called Kindred Spirits in Santa Monica on the 3rd Street Promenade. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what you do.
1: Sure. Um, I founded Demi-toss, uh Jesus, 10 years ago. Um, we started out as a multi-roaster coffee shop in Little Tokyo. Um, we opened and closed several cafes. Uh, we opened a roastery, uh, and we're currently expanding into a new concept called Kindred Spirit. Um, so we've done sort of a little bit of everything at this point.
0: That's cool. So is it strictly a, a coffee kind of place, or is it a full restaurant?
1: So Toss is just a coffee place. We we don't cook. We um, we serve pastries and specialty coffee, um, and sort of coffee drinks. Uh, Kindred Spirit is more of like a like a full service cafe with bagels and desserts and mocktails and, and a little bit more um, food focused.
0: Okay. And you said you're a roaster as well. So you go through the yeah. whole business, you travel overseas, you... Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, That's, yeah. Be interesting. I have traveled in
1: a while, but um, before the pandemic, we traveled quite a bit sourcing uh, coffee, meeting with farmers and producers and mills and the whole nine yards. And that, honestly, that was one of the better parts of my job.
0: Yeah. That market seems to be changing. There's all kinds of stories about crop issues and all of that. It, it, what's that been like?
1: you know to be honest it hasn't affected us a ton um because we're in the specialty coffee market okay. and we're 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 kind of at the top end of the market already um so when the c market price moves and there's crop issues and this and that we're we're somewhat insulated not entirely but somewhat insulated from that to the extent that we're already buying at the top of the market or we already have um direct trade relationships that uh, with contracts that aren't linked to the c market okay. um and we're just not that big of a player, where we need to worry too much about the sea market. But okay. um, if you're if you're moving like you know containers and containers of coffee, especially at the bottom end of the market, yeah, you're you're stressing it. Right
0: yeah. now. Do you do the uh, the roasting uh, in in the shop? So is it kind of like the? No. Yeah.
1: I wish that'd be awesome. No. Um. We're we have a little warehouse in Glassell Park.
0: When you started out in the world, is this what you were thinking of doing? Did you always want to be a? Uh, uh, a coffee person and own a shop like this?
1: No, this is like a third career almost for me, I would say. So I, I, when I graduated from college, I worked in foreign policy for about a year and a half. Ah. Um, and if you're in the foreign policy world out of college, you have sort of two tracks. You either uh, go work for the government or you go work for, uh, or you go to law school. Yeah. Uh, and so I went to law school. Um, I practiced as a lawyer for three years after graduating from USC was pretty miserable as a lawyer um, and at the time I was drinking loads of coffee and getting really into specialty coffee and at the time I wasn't married I didn't have kids uh, and my parents had an extra bedroom so I moved in with them and opened my first coffee shop up.
0: Has the, has the law degree come in handy since you've started the business?
1: Uh, here and there not as much as you'd think. Um, I was uh, more in the litigation side. I wish I had Focused on transactional work, and then then you know to draft my own contracts or uh, get into you know leasing and landlord tenant laws that that probably would have been the most useful yeah. for me. Wow, but
0: you know it's definitely a big career change um, in the middle there. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, what was it like starting up the first coffee shop? What did you have to go through to get it?
1: Oh man, you know we had no idea what we were doing. Um, it was a crash course in Construction in bureaucracy in dealing with uh, any number of of different you know issues around those two things. Um, and I think if you've never if you've never built anything before, you've never dealt with contractors and permits and, and health department and city inspectors and all this kind of stuff, and no one kind of warned us about what hell it was going to yeah. be. And so I think I, I was completely blindsided by both dealing with just. And, and not having the knowledge or, or uh, just just not knowing how to approach these situations and how to deal with these people. Okay. Uh, and as a lawyer, you're you're very process-oriented, right? Like, well, I, you know, I followed the rules. Like, give me my permit. Or, you know, this is the contract we had signed, like, you know, with the contractor. And, and why are you deviating from this and whatever? And, and it's a crash course in sort of um, uh, dealing with, being completely at the whims of other people's bullshit.
0: Yeah, right. It's the theoretical versus the real world uh, also.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I get, I, I mean, I, you know, I, when we finally got our health department clearance after just pulling teeth, I wasn't even excited. I was just exhausted and burnt yeah. out um and that's not a fun place to be when you're trying to open a coffee shop or anything right like you finally are ready to open you should be excited and and giddy and and really you know and i was just like jesus this was took months longer than we wanted to cost us a fortune more than we had a budget for um you know it, it just it was brutal
0: did you have any experience working uh in the business in any kind of retail business prior to doing this
1: um so i had some retail experience uh I, before we even looked to open a coffee shop i started working in coffee okay. shops just to get my, my feet okay. dirty, 30 uh, and get my feet wet if you will um and and i think you know to the extent that we learned a lot doing that what what you don't learn is the management side and you certainly don't learn about the hell of construction yes. of contracting architects and figuring out how to all these different people in yeah uh, so while I was like pretty ready to make coffee drinks and serve good product, I, I wasn't ready for the chaos.
0: Um, I'm in tech myself and I worked my way up from being okay. an engineer to a manager of engineers. Um, hmm. and I understand the construction part because I build data centers. Okay. There's, uh, the, the physical plant issues, the contractors who are doing all of that plus because I've worked in Hollywood, I've also had to deal with the, the unions as well. Right. Oh, and God. those, the, you know, I've had days when it's like, I had somebody walk up to me and say, why are you connecting that cable? It's like, well, I need to plug it in. It's like, no, 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 That's an <laughs> electrician's job. You need a studio electrician to come out and do that. You know? Um, so, so I get everything you're talking about and yeah. the, the people part is the hardest part, right?
1: Yeah. I, I enjoy managing people. Um, that's that's I think for me that was an unexpected thing that I, I I I like hiring, I like putting together a team. I think in my wild, wet dreams I would manage a basketball team <laughs> and be a GM. Like, I think that would just be like just the best job ever. Um so that part actually has gone, you know, I mean it has its ups and downs, obviously managing a group of people. Um, but I, I actually enjoyed that part and that was surprising for me. I didn't know that I would or wouldn't. Up until we opened up, I, I had only managed maybe a, two or three people as a lawyer, in okay. um, a small team. But um, this was fun, it, and I think it still is probably one of the one of the parts of my job I enjoy the most.
0: Very cool. You no, know, so most of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: I get that too. Um, what what was the biggest inspiration uh, that you had as a kid that led you down the paths you've led down? Would you say?
1: I think my love for foreign policy work came probably from my dad. My family's all from Iran, um, we're, we're Jewish. So we have family in Israel. Mm -hmm. And so following foreign policy was something I grew up with. Some of my earliest memories were watching CNN and with my dad during the Gulf war or whatever. And it was just just this whole fascinating thing. I'm a huge history nerd. So, you know, growing, you know, in high school, those are always my favorite classes. And so for me, that, that sort of all dovetailed into, into getting into that line of work, uh, so that, I think growing up, that was probably more my inspiration. I, I always enjoyed cooking and I always enjoyed um, – my dad was a big coffee drinker. He actually opened up a coffee bar oh, okay. uh, when he was in college. Okay. Um, so I grew up around coffee and, and making coffee with my dad and drinking coffee. And so it was very much a part of my life um, for as far back as I can remember. And so, yeah, and I think when you get into especially the roasting and sourcing side of things, it's kind of a weird – both 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 passions sort of converge in the sense that I can now see the impact of sort of trade policies and, and economic policies around how coffee can get moved around the world, uh, which is one, you know, one of the most traded commodities on yeah. earth. Um, and and sort of the on a very granular micro level, see how the consumer choices that we make impact people in Guatemala and El Salvador and other places like that. Okay. That's kind of a cool Cool. being able to connect those dots on a very micro level is, is, has been fun.
0: Do you think that if you hadn't had to adapt to the the lawyer part of the world, you would have stayed in foreign policy in some way? Can you do both? I guess is the question.
1: That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I ask myself that a lot. Um, whether I made the right choice going to law school or whether I was better off uh, Going to DOD or State Department or getting a master's at CICE or somewhere like that, as opposed to going to law school and how different my life would have looked like. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. It's something that keeps me up at night yeah. these nights. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm I'm about to turn thirty nine, and and you know, I I don't know, maybe it's just the age, but just kind of reflect on uh, where you've been, where you're going, yeah, uh, and. You know I, I I'd be lying if I didn't say I wonder about that somewhat regularly and, and
0: yeah. so it, it it's funny i'm 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 a little bit older than you are um, <laughs> and I started out as an actor uh, originally, okay. and I decided to listen to my mother's advice when I was a kid, which was, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. always make sure you can make a living so. Mm -hmm. I chose not to be like a waiter uh, or one of the traditional things you did while you were a struggling actor. Mm -hmm. I taught myself how to program a computer and that led me into the computer side of things. Um, Right on. But as I've come to realize, you know, now that I'm solidly into middle age and I have the computer career, which has its ups and downs as well, that. By not putting all my eggs in one basket, it actually made it easier to get up and walk away from the dream career, Um, Mm. you know, because I'm pretty much guessing there are a lot of guys out there who want to be a star who can't do anything else but be a star. And so they have to stay in that laser focus until they get there versus the, Mm. oh, I've got a great way to go off and have a wife and kids and a house and, and not have to worry about that stuff anymore. So sure. that's my struggle as a middle-aged man in my midlife crisis mm. now is the, gee. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, so I, I get the whole idea of looking back sometimes and going, eh, what if I tweak this a little bit? Um,
1: you know, revisionist history is a dangerous yeah, thing to play. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, who would you who would you say is the most important mentor you've had in your life?
1: Oh, um, no, I had a high school teacher named mrs red clay and uh, in terms of people who sort of shaped and influenced my life i would probably say she she was at the top of that list she just um she, she had a way of just like looking into your soul and telling you <laughs> yeah it was crazy everyone felt like this about her it wasn't just me um i had a, i i would stay after class just to talk to her uh and she really sort of opened my eyes to a lot of things about uh little philosophical things really like you know don't it don't, you know, don't have expectations about other people and then you'll never be miserable and, and sort of these sort of things that I'm still struggling with trying to understand yeah. and, and, and get my head wrapped around it. And She just lived that life. Um, she just had a great influence on me. Um, in college, I had a couple of really, really good professors who just were, were phenomenal mentors in terms of um, sort of nudging me actually to go to law school uh, and, and sort of opening my eyes to how important the law was. Um, yeah sort of that whole world. You know. Okay,
0: cool. How long ago did you start uh, Cafe Debitas? Currently in Santa
1: Monica, correct? Yep. Uh, have you been there all along? No, our first shop was in Little Tokyo. Um, sadly, we couldn't renew our lease uh, this past couple months ago. Um, so we're down to just the Santa Monica shop. We opened Santa Monica about five, six years ago.
0: Okay. So, Tell me a little bit about the lease situation, because I've heard that a lot of businesses, especially in the food services, as the pandemic begins to wind down here in L.A., are finding landlords are jacking up rents like crazy.
1: Um, You know, we, Little Tokyo in particular, downtown L.A., got just destroyed during the pandemic. You know, we saw our sales plummet something like 80, 90 percent from pre-pandemic levels because, you know, the bulk of our business, particularly particular little Tokyo was office workers, government workers. Yeah. That was our bread and butter. I right? sure we got a smattering of tourists on the weekends, but they all vanished too. And so what you're left with is, is a very thin residential population that lives in little Tokyo. It's, it's not a lot. Of right. Um, and there's like a thousand coffee and tea bars that are all competing for that business. So we saw our, our sales plummet astronomically, whereas like in Santa Monica, we only only dropped fifty percent. Little Tokyo really got hammered, and so we didn't know what the world was going to look like after the pandemic. My lease, we had a five, we had two five-year lease options. We we extended them, so we were we were at the end of our second five-year lease, uh, and I came up in May. And the assumption every time I would go to the landlord, we stopped paying rent because we didn't have to. There was a rent moratorium, and we didn't have any yeah. money, so I would go to the landlord and be like, "Look, you know." We want a break in rent. Uh, we want rent abatement, blah, blah, blah. They said, no, 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 no. We're not going to give you a break in rent. You owe us all this money. We're like, okay, fine. Well, you know, whenever we can pay, we'll pay. Um, and then uh, got to a point where the lease was about to come up. And I asked them, look, you know what? The, the pandemic's slowly winding down. We don't know what our post-pandemic sales are going to be like. And I'm not in a position to commit to, you know, the same rent we had before, let alone a hike in rent. Mm-hmm. So can we, can we do something that I can afford at that point? We kind of knew what our sales were. We offered them kind of industry standard of 10% of sales for rent. And I said, you know, just give me a six month extension. I'll pay all this on time. Uh, And At the end of those six months, we can, we can sit down, reevaluate the lease and see what our sales are like and see if it makes sense for us to stay in the space or not. And you know, those six months, you know, buys us time, buys you guys time. You get a little cash, whatever. Uh, and they, they categorically refused to do that. Okay. Uh, and I thought it was a fair offer. Um, they didn't even counter. They just said, if you want to stay, full rent. Otherwise, yeah. you
0: know. Sorry.
1: We just, you know.
0: Well, you know.
1: And that's
0: not, the world gets that way. But, you know, one door closes, another opens. You want to talk a little bit about Kindred Spirits and what you're doing there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was an interesting opportunity. Sort of fell into our lap. These these guys had opened or almost opened a pro-yo shop on the promenade in a pretty unique space, uh, and they they never quite got it open because of the pandemic. And so they were looking to unload that, and and so for for a fraction of what it would have cost to build out a space, we got to take over um, this this glorified kiosk on the promenade, and uh, so we've opened up sort of soft opening. Um, it's it's a sort of a bagel and breakfast spot during the day and then a mocktail and dessert spot okay. by night I've, I've been sober my whole life so this is kind of a passion project for me growing growing up i had nowhere to go so when i go out with my friends at bars i just guzzled red bull until i had an ulcer <laughs> true story um so we you know there's been an explosion in the, in the zero alcohol movement uh and there's all these options and different spirits and all this kind of stuff and so we we partnered up with um, this lady who does just really interesting drinks uh, around that. And then we hired a very, very talented pastry chef to put together these gorgeous pastries. And, and it's just um, – it's a fun – it's a very cool, very fun uh, concept. And we hope that it will take off. Uh, cool. Because it's, it's kind of – it's very um, – yeah, I mean the product is like world class. Like the, the kind of desserts you would expect to see at a fine dining restaurant. But, you know, Promenade prices. Very
0: cool. Has, has yeah. the um, – foot traffic started to return to 3rd street promenade yet
1: yeah yeah it, it's it's an interesting crowd um, during the day and night it it, it sends the, the the people who are coming now tend to be more of a harder drinking crowd than than i think it used to be i think people are just looking to party more um, that being said this week with with delta it's it's people you know I would say volume of the like cut in half almost overnight. Yeah. People are staying home yeah. again. And so, you know, as soon as we finally saw some daylight, uh, uh, I'm, I'm honestly a little afraid to see what's going to happen in the next few
0: months. Yeah, LA County's spiking again a little bit. Um, They still say it's mostly uh unvaccinated people that are getting hit hard, but it spreads really, really easily. So
1: They're saying it spreads faster than chicken pox uh, and that vaccinated people can yeah. spread it, which is scary considering, you know, I have a... Fourteen month old at home that obviously can't get vaccinated. Yeah. and so for me, whereas before I felt a little safer uh, being able to go out and do things again, now it's like, well, I guess I gotta go nowhere again and mask up and really protect my son.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's very frustrating. And also as a business owner, it's like, well, you know, we're in Santa Monica. People are relatively cautious, mm-hmm. you know, and so this 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 affects us. You know, we're not we're not in a place where people are like to hell with it we're not going to get vaccinated we're not going to mask up um so i think there's there is a sense and you know we're 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 a coffee shop and a dessert bar right like we we're a family friendly that's our bread and butter and so families are now staying home well we're gonna you know and offices aren't gonna open anytime soon we're still hurting. so this this really sort of throws a wrench in our growth plans if you will
0: okay um did what did what did you do in the business when the pandemic hit to change and adapt to it? Did you start doing delivery services? What kind of stuff did you have to do?
1: We we kind of tried a, a variety of different things to move some of our stuff online. So we were doing um, like corporate online events, uh, which we had some success around that. We we tried to push our subscriptions and online offerings. We put together these little you know um, make your own signature drink at home kits. Okay. Um, just anything that we could sort of push online. Coffee delivery was never a big part of our business, and, and people tend to want to go out for coffee. Yeah. So we try to do more online stuff, sell more more beans. You know, but we would, none of it none of it made up for the loss in, in cafe sales, and also the loss of our wholesale sales, right? Because we wholesale coffee to other cafes, uh-huh. offices, restaurants, and so all of that dried up real fast too, as they all shut down. And So we were just hammered on all ends, um, and yeah, we saw we saw you know, decent pickup in online sales and orders. But
0: what, what, when you talked about a corporate online events, what does that look like? What does that mean?
1: That was the, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We would do, they would take a variety of different shapes, but it kind of boiled down to three different options we gave people. It was either like a, we did one for Walmart where we showed everyone how to brew their own coffee at home um, and make drinks at home. We did a whole one um where we would send out just like a mountain of um, like a gear and everything, and we would teach people how to make their own signature drink at home. So we send them the ingredients. Right, okay. So we send out dates and pistachios and stuff like that. We teach them how to make pistachio milk, and we made a pistachio date latte on Zoom with everyone with like an Aeropress, and and so you know that's sort of the the other end of the uh, other end of the range where you know it was uh, it was like a tech company that wanted to do something for all their employees, and it was, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, we did, um, and and we, we've done sort of, um, like a coffee tasting class. So we would send out four coffees. We do like a seed to cup presentation while tasting all the coffees with everybody. Um, so just a variety of different things, depending on what the client, the, the, the customers wanted really. Right. Some, you know, everyone kind of wanted their own custom, whatever. And so we would just accommodate that. Yeah. I would stream it from my kitchen. That's, Yeah.
0: sounds cool. Sounds cool. I I went to a whiskey tasting event like that online, uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was you know a bunch of bottle little bottles of whiskey show up at the house mm-hmm. and then you know uh somebody's online yep. explaining to me what i should be tasting while i'm just you know taking my drinks it's pretty cool
1: <laughs> it's
0: pretty cool yeah. um how big how big a staff do you carry at the places typically
1: oh uh, we're about like 24 deep okay at this point did you yeah between the, the roastery and the two cafes
0: did you have to um did you have to cut back
1: oh yeah during the pandemic we scaled back royally i mean yeah we were down and then when we closed the shop we were down even more um and ironically the the struggle now is trying to find enough staff right that's the new issue everyone's having right finding forget qualified staff just just getting enough bodies in the shop to to handle the new volume right Uh, especially at the new place trying to get anyone with even a shred of experience to help open up it was a nightmare you know we we opened up a lot earlier than we probably ought to have opened up just because we had enough staff and I did not want to lose yeah. them. But we were only able to open for like one part of the service. It's just chaos right now and trying to get um, qualified staff to get it. Like you're not going to find anything right now.
0: It's tough. Why, why is that? What is it about the market that's
1: changed? Is it strictly the wage level or? I don't know. You know, it, I've read a ton of articles on this yeah. in Everyone points at something else. I think part of it is a lot of people just left the industry entirely during the pandemic and have no interest in returning. Yeah. Um, it, which is fair, right? If you were in the restaurant industry, you were cut. You have no safety yeah. net, right? Yeah. There's, no, there's no nothing. There's no severance package, right? You just you just got fucked. Um, wages were never great. They're okay, but, yeah. you know. I've heard a lot of people who wanted to come back found better wages in construction and in other industries or just left the city entirely. You know, I, I tried to poach a girl who worked at Blue Bottle, um, like on the spot, right? She was just, uh, the, the Blue Bottle near my house. I would see her all the time because I would take my kid yeah. there. And she was just great. And I was like, look, I would love to hire you and, and bring you on as, uh, on my team. And she's like, I'm moving to Lancaster.
0: Really? <laughs> well Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, okay. I guess that's a commute. From yeah. Santa yeah. I just, that's um, the
0: last place so I, I would you think you'd, have you'd have, want to relocate to from Santa Monica. I know you want to save some money, but, right. you know, anyway.
1: You know, I think there's a lot of that. A lot of these kids are, are just either moving far further afield where, where, you know, cost of living is cheaper and they don't have to grind. Yeah. Um, and then I think you just have this everyone hiring all at the same time phenomenon. Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, every single restaurant, every retailer, everybody, on earth who has a storefront is now hiring all at the same time and so now you just have too many job openings all at the same time for the same diminished pool of people yeah
0: yeah okay how's how's your family holding up through uh through all this
1: you know we had a baby in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) So we're we're hanging in there, you know. My wife works, makes the real money. She works full time, so I, I have to juggle all this while being primary caregiver to a rambunctious fourteen month old <laughs> who I just still doesn't like to sleep. Um, and so it's been it's been rough, uh, you know, when you can't hire childcare because of fear of the pandemic. or yeah. your you know family members don't want to quarantine or didn't want to wear masks or you know. Yeah, it becomes it becomes difficult. Everything became so much more difficult when you can't take your kid indoors for a year yeah. anywhere outside your home home right like what yeah. do you do
0: yeah
1: you know you're just stuck going to parks and then the mall huh. i can't i can tell you and he doesn't like being in the car so we have like a 20 minute car ride diameter that we can go into places so i've been to every park every green space we find office buildings that have like koi palms to go visit like yeah that's my life <laughs> you know whereas you know, and, 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 and I'm not saying he was robbed of a childhood. I mean, he's still very young, but like, no, I couldn't sign him up for a music class yeah. or a jamboree or any of these things that would entertain him. And he's such an active, crazy kid. So it, it kind of just, yeah. you could tell he's just, he wants to do all those yeah. things.
0: My daughter um, was in her the middle of her senior year uh, in 2019 in high school. So she was the class that got nothing. Right. They got the, yeah. So, um, and, and as hard as we tried to create these artificial experiences, you know, the drive by, uh, things, the, uh, the signs on the side of the house, congratulating Mm -hmm. them on all of this, you know, Mm -hmm. it it, no prom, no senior night at Disneyland, no graduation ceremony. It was, uh, it was a rough time. And then, you know, in her case, She, her entire first year of college as well was spent online. So she managed to make some good friends, um, but she didn't meet them for like seven, eight months in. You know, it was, it's been, it's been a strange, strange time.
1: And that's, that's really rough. Uh, That sucks too. Those are two formative years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about the next six months at this point?
1: If you'd asked me (laughs) two weeks ago, I'd say I was feeling pretty good. Um, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated and angry and then, uh, you know, I don't want to get into yeah. not even politics, but just the, the, you know, we shouldn't be in the situation we're in. We yeah. are, um, it, it, you know, and all it's going to take is one more mutation yeah. right, or Delta and then it's going to be whatever the next Greek numeral. And yeah, uh, it, it seems like every time we'll, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, something dims that light yeah
0: um,
1: and it's frustrating you know it's very 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 frustrating because if all of a sudden now we've budgeted for for a decent rebound and now you know especially when we opened up a new concept banking on increasing tourist traffic increase in people coming out again people wanting to do things and, and be outside and, and all of that and all of a sudden now we got to pump the brakes well i don't know it, it's very frustrating and it, it, it it's it's discouraging. It's yeah, not good.
0: Maybe we'll start. I haven't paid attention to the numbers. Maybe we'll start to see the vaccine rate uh, going up again out here, which will help yeah. us through. I know that um, there are a lot of people in like the South and other parts of the country who figured it out. You know, a couple of months later than they should have. That holy crap! Yeah. You know, it's either take this shot or die. I think I'm going to go for the shot, um, right. and then we'll you know hopefully. I'm, I'm in the same boat you are, right? I've been recording the podcast for a year and I started it a year ago um, partly because I was out of work uh, for a long time and I was going nuts sitting at home trying to look for oh. something positive. So I started to talk to people in different businesses to get a feel for what their life was like and how the world had changed for them and what they were looking forward to. And Looking back on a year of it, it's been a real cycle of it was dark, and then it got darker, and then it got better for a while, and then it got really dark at the end of beginning mm-hmm. of the year. And it was really, the light was there. You could see it was coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. especially right now at this moment in time, things are very confusing and um, disappointing.
1: It is. It's, 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 you know, it sucks. Yeah especially in my line of work, right? Where we are so dependent on people coming out, you know, we were just, we literally just welcoming people back inside, sitting down, enjoying their coffee, which is huge for, for especially a higher end specialty coffee bar, right? Like that's what people want. They want to sit down. They want to drink out of porcelain glass and enjoy conversing with the baristas and this and that and seeing their pour overs being made. And now it's, it's, you know, yeah, they can still come inside, but they have to wear a mask while they're inside. You can't drink coffee with a mask right. on, right? So we're basically slowly reverting back to maybe not full blown pandemic mode, but you know, I think it's only a matter of time if the numbers get worse where they're going to start closing dining rooms.
0: Yeah. Again. Do you, Do you have an outside space in addition?
1: Yeah, we have tons. We have a tons of tons of outdoor seating, but you know, it's it's not the same. And, and to a certain extent, we were. We were counting on offices reopening and, you know, it's a big part of our business, yeah. right? Look, the bread and butter for a coffee bar post up in an office environment yeah. and serves the offices, right? And so we're, we're lucky in Santa Monica where we have both offices and residential and tourists. Yeah. Very lucky, frankly, because some of that's keeping us alive. But, you know, we're still 25% off the mark and that's the office workers who haven't returned to their yeah. offices. Yeah. And so when I talked to my friends who work in those offices, you know, before it was, oh, we're going to be, we're, we're all coming back in July. Yeah. And now it's September and now it's October. Yeah. And, you know, the further you kick that down the, the, the can down the road because people are freaking out again, Yeah, it, it really gums up our operation.
0: Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, my company has an office in Santa Monica, but they're never going to reopen it. Uh, one of the one of the lessons they learned in the middle of the pandemic is they, they're, you know, we're small, so we don't have a lot of people in the footprint to start with. But everybody has been successfully working from home. So the company is like, we don't really need to invest in the mm-hmm. real estate. And we've actually even gone so far as we're staffing out of state, right? So I have a team of nine guys that work with me and three of them are in Southern California. The rest of them are in you know Seattle, uh, Santa Barbara, um, San Diego, right? They're just not local. Sure. So I, I know in my world, I probably will never have a full uh, office environment
1: again. And that's, that's scary, too, because, you know, again, like, we, not just for me personally, but for, for everyone in my industry who, who who services office workers, you know, even if 25% of the office workers disappear, yeah. that's a death sentence for most restaurants and businesses who, who are dependent on that business, yeah. right? You think about downtown LA, you think about even... Called, you know, Century City, all those, all the retail services are, that are based on servicing the needs of the office workers who are paying top dollar rent to be yeah. there and are locked into these shitty leases that they can't get out of, Yeah, well, they're all underwater and they're not coming out anytime yeah. soon, if ever. Yeah.
0: Bobby, where can people find out more about you? And since you sell, um, sell product online, where can they go to buy mm-hmm. some of your
1: coffee? Yeah, uh, com. Okay. Everything you want is there. We have uh, everything from merch to coffee beans to subscriptions. You name it. Um, videos. You can. We have a whole bunch of. During the pandemic, if you want to laugh. But I did a whole series of brewing, brewing coffee with Bobby and Minka. It's my pub. Cool. Where we just made coffee drinks in my kitchen and posted them on YouTube, and and they're a hoot. Um, that sounds fun.
0: Yeah. Excellent. That sounds fun. Listen. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, my pleasure. All Thank right. you. Thanks sure. for having me.